Let's go. Okay, great. Hey. What's up? Welcome back to Hell Money Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about how the fact that we don't have a call to action. Yeah, we were trying to discuss, like, yeah. should we tell people, like, to like, subscribe, review? Yep, yep. Follow us on Fountain. Yep. Watch us yep. on YouTube. Like, what should we do? I, I want to get technical Bitcoin questions. I want people to ask us questions about how Bitcoin works that we can answer. You know, how does Bitcoin work? Uh, you know, oh, I saw this. Like, what does it mean? Yeah. You know, uh, Michael Saylor tweeted this. Like, you know, tell me about think? that. Yeah. yeah. Or like, hey, I need advice about securing my stash, about what wallet I should use, where I should get Bitcoin. All those kinds of questions. I love answering those kinds of questions. Makes me really happy. Yeah. yeah. You want people to be like, Casey, please. No, sign no, it. no, no. Make you sound like help. a psychopath. <laughs> no, I just, I like, you know, listen, I'm, I'm a giver. All right? Yeah, right. You love to give your bloviations and opinions. I would also like question. I think that's the main call to action that we want is uh, like, we want to know who is listening. Yeah. What they think. <clears throat> yeah. If they have, like, I what do you want, want to? Yeah, like, what do you want, want yeah, from us? More, what do you want from us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what guests, like, what topics? Yeah. Like, uh, you can ask me political questions, political or philosophical questions would sure. be my preferred questions. Gotcha. Like, what yeah. do you think about this? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, what should the US do about X, Y, or Z? And I'll right. be like, well, mm -hmm. yep. let me yep. tell you. Mm -hmm. uh, spiritual questions, mm -hmm. advice. I could, you know, go off. About how to live Anything. a good life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ask Erin the technical questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She'll, she'll, she'll go off. I'll go off, yeah. yeah. So that, that I think, is our call <laughs> to action is comment or DM us on Twitter or oh, yeah, yeah. whatever. Oh, yeah, and also if you want to be on the pod, you're like, yes. yeah. Just, yeah, if you want to be on the pod, just let us know. Yeah. I mean, we want to do, like, in-person interviews, so either Bay Area, Bay Area would be great. Yeah. Or we're going to be in Austin for BitBlock Boom. BitBlock Boom, yeah. The That's a plug. Two weeks from now, roughly. Yeah, I don't know. This episode will go out, like, I think a week and a half before Bit, Or maybe, like, exactly yeah. a week yeah. before BitBlock Boom. And also, if you just want to meet us and be like, yeah. hey, let's hang out at in the barrier or austin or whatever you know wine and dine us a little bit yeah wine and dine us meaning like we'll be like loitering at the hotel bar because we didn't actually buy tickets to <laughs> yeah Bitblock we're going boom. to bitblock boom but the ticket prices bitblock boom the ticket prices are insane they're insane no if shade if you're a bitblock boom person you want to give us free tickets like no shade yeah, yeah, ticket we, prices we like, want the thing. tickets right <laughs> we they're want just them. out of our budget right <laughs> How much are the? How much is the full? It's like sixteen hundred dollars. But if you want to go to every like dinner. Oh my! I don't even know because it's. It's like yeah, because there's like, like three, everything. You can drop on like top. three G's. Yeah, on like we're not being like, a Bitcoin max. We're not balling like. What that. is like? Listen, like low time preference, right? Yeah. Like low time preference means not spending two hundred dollars on a steak. Yeah, I thought we were supposed to stack our sets. We're right. Yeah. Sorry, but like, we're not. We're not criticizing Bitblock Boom if they want to send us. We are a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. you know. Well, so we're going. So we're going to Austin, and we're staying like in a hotel near to the Bitblock Boom Hotel. Not that near. Not that near, but you know, you know we're gonna be yeah. nearby, and then we're just gonna loiter outside of the event. Yeah. And talk and, to people. And in the Bitblock Boom Hotel. We're yeah, yeah, yeah. Loitering in that hotel. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Find us at the at the hotel bar. Yeah. We might be like at playing different bar. characters, being like, "Where you see?" <laughs> That's Erin. She's into the show tunes aspect yeah, of yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Casey will just be answering questions about Bitcoin. That's right. Yeah, and talking about ordinals. But like I mean, I really, do. we just want to. I I have not actually. I went to the outskirts of Austin for a music festival when I was like 18. But besides that, I've actually never been <clears> to <throat> Austin. So I really wanted to go. A psychic told me I had to go this year before mm, I was even psychic? into Bitcoin. 
Uh, my friend from high school. Uh-huh. Yeah. What, which was, was it a, like a tarot reading? Like, no, she was like talking to my spirit guides. She was like, they're telling me you have to go to Austin, Texas. You have and multiple like, spirit guides? Yeah, of course. You have a whole team. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, I sort of, I, I, I had that idea when I was like young. I had this idea of like a sort of like intergalactic council yeah. that I would consult on various matters. Casey, that's like a literal, <laughs> I, I I don't know how much we should go off about this at this point, but that's I like I saw a your whole... eyes like light up. Casey. <laughs> oh my God. You are like an IT guy. I sent here to fix the simulation. <laughs> yeah, well, this was even because I think I think I did meet you actually in December or something. Okay. Like, but I didn't really get like super into the Bitcoin scene until the beginning of this year, 2022. Yep. yep. But I talked to her in December before I knew like Austin was like the Bitcoin capital of whatever. And oh, yeah, everyone yeah, yeah. was like all about Austin. Mm-hmm. She was like, you have to go. And yeah, I was like, okay, yeah. like I'll I've, see if I can make it work. Yeah, and then I've spent a fair amount of time in Austin. I'm not a fair amount, but like I've been like two or three times. Um, it's a really nice, neat town. Uh, great food. Nice, you know? neat town. Nice little town. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like there's something that I need to like realize or experience there. I'm not quite sure. We'll see. Yeah. But yeah. So, I mean, that was enough reason for me to go to BitBlockBoom just to loiter around and hang out. Because mm-hmm. yeah. really, I just want to meet Bitcoiners. I just love Bitcoiners. Yeah. I love Bitcoiners too. Um, I love all kinds of Bitcoiners. I love Bitcoiners that I agree with. I love Bitcoiners that I don't agree with. Yeah. Like, the more insane, the better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's fun. So we're trying to like, you know, if you'll be at BitBlock Boom or in you're in Austin or whatever, we're going to be there for that weekend, what, like August 25th through 28th? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. And we'd love to, if you want to be on the pod yep. and you're going to be in BitBlock Boom, like yep. hit us up. We'd us love up. to record yep. some stuff. Um, we have a couple ideas, but as I said, we're going to just be loitering. We're just going to be going for the flow with <laughs> yeah, the flow. So yeah, so if you, if you want to be on the pod or you just want to say hi to us, please. Yeah, uh, for sure. We want That's meet. literally why we're going. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the whole purpose. Um, yeah, should we also talk about Fountain? Now that we're on, like, people pushed us to be on Fountain. Yeah, we're on, we're on Fountain. We're on Podcasting 2.0. We're, we're on Podcasting 2.0. I'm, we love it. We love it. We love yeah. po- Podcasting 2.0. Yeah. Erin was like, when she saw that somebody gave us, like, I don't know, like 100 sats or something... And, and she was like, what is that? And I was like, well, that's like, I don't know, like a nickel or something or like two, th- two pennies. And she was like, that is incredible. That's generational wealth. Yeah, crazy. yeah, generational wealth. <laughs> but it's because you're used to dealing with like the TikTok, YouTube yeah. monetization world where you get like a thousandth of a, of a penny per click. Yeah, and you have to grind before they'll even pay you. Like you have to be like established right, and then right. they'll be like, oh, you want us to pay you right. for the ads we run on your content? And right. you're like, yep. yeah, yep. thank you. Yep. So for... For us to just get on Fountain and then for people to just boost our stuff. I still don't really understand the Fountain economy. Oh, like how it works? Yeah. Well, Someone come on the pod and mansplain Fountain to us. I, I understand the economy. Oh, you can mansplain Fountain. Yeah, I can mansplain. <laughs> I can mansplain the economy. Like, So if you have a podcasting 2.0 app, mm-hmm. it gets the RSS feed of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And then it's able to get this metadata of like a lightning endpoint to pay. Mm-hmm. Four things, right? Like lightning and a lightning, lightning instance, like associated with the podcast, and like uh, how, yeah. And then you, that person, they can do two things. They can send boosts, which are like a one-time, like giving you sats. It's like a donation. So, like, but this is coming sats. from people's like money. Yes. 
But then they also get paid to you're, listen. You're getting confused by that. That's like a yeah. fountain thing where fountain essentially is doing like revenue sharing with the users for like okay. clipping and listening and okay, stuff like that. Okay, for like promoting. That's right. Yeah, oh, yeah. so you also get cred for being like an active user. Yeah, I think if somebody gets, if somebody like, for example, well, let me get to the other part of it. So there's these like one-time donations, which are mm-hmm. called boosts. And then there is uh, what's called value for value, which is you say, hey, whenever I listen to a podcast on my podcasting app, I want to give that podcast one sat per minute, just automatically. Whenever I'm listening to that podcast, send them one sat per minute for every minute I listen to. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then when somebody is listening to our podcast, they'll be streaming us those sats while they're listening. Right. Yep. And yeah, and it's really nice because you kind of don't need to think about it. You need to go like, okay, like, well, if I'm listening to a podcast, it means I like it. So it's worth at least like one sat per minute or like 10 sats yeah, per minute, yeah, yeah. you know? And then yeah. the shows that you naturally listen to the most will naturally get the, will automatically get the most money. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, so far I will die on this hill hodling. I don't know if he actually doxes, but that user, uh-huh, uh, who that I user. do know, uh-huh. I, we know and love, yep. um, he like commented and boosted mm-hmm. and everything. I'm like... Thank you for the, the boost. Thank, thank you for the you. comment about love my it. small penis. Yeah, I appreciate he's, it. He's a small dick. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's, that's... I don't have a small dick. Just want to really emphasize that. <laughs> well, we, we did ask for this feedback. It was you a know. huge mistake. I just want—I want to be showered mistake. in love and affection. I don't want. You can't handle that. One dude said, one anon on the internet said, "I have a small dick." After I'm like, you, t- I want after you told them to say that, it was a huge mistake. <laughs> you were like, "I can't." Um, other news: uh, friend of the pod, Pamela, gave me this mug. That's right for my yeah. birthday, which was last week. Yep. Um, so now this is a good podcasting prop for those of you that are listening on audio. It says, I may look like I'm listening to you, but in my head, I'm thinking about Bitcoin. That's true. I, I do that a lot. Yeah. I Sometimes plan. on this podcast, I'm like zoned out. When I'm like being Bitcoin. like my spirit guide told me to go to Austin, you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I want to sip it when Casey's going off about something and then cut to me sipping it. Uh-huh. Like right. And then you look at the camera and you go. Yeah. Like yeah. Exactly. Office, it's like a gym from scene. the office moment. Yeah. Um, you may have also seen that Casey tweeted a photo of us for uh, my birthday. What you didn't know is that I had a gun to his head. <laughs> I didn't know that we were going to mention that. Aaron was like, all right, you got to take a photo. I was it's like, got to be a nice. Yes, got to be a nice picture. What are you going to wear? <laughs> I was like, it's not me. It's, for, it's not for me. It's for the fans. It's for the fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was totally for me. You need to um, tell everybody how loved I am on my birthday. <laughs> So yeah, but you also gave me a hardware wallet. I did, yeah. I gave you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave you a cold card, which is yeah. Cold cards are great. So I, I mean, this is a good thing to talk about. I have used a ledger for a long, long time. Um, A ledger is a hardware wallet. It's a good hardware wallet. I don't have any problems with it. I love the hardware. But I have a ledger now because they have a pink version. Oh yeah, so that was enough to just. Yeah. Get me in. Understood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But ledgers are um, hardware wallets that work with a lot of different um, altcoins. And what that means is anytime you have a product, be it a hardware wallet, an exchange, anything, a payment provider that supports a bunch of different altcoins, their Bitcoin support is naturally going to suffer because they have to expend a lot of development resources on making it work with all these different altcoins. All these Cardano. Cardano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so anytime I've had the opportunity to compare a Bitcoin-only product or service Mm -hmm. with a multi-coin product or service, the Bitcoin service winds up being way better for Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have some specific 
quibbles with uh, ledgers about how they their security. But cold card security is very good. Supports a lot of really great features. Um, the Bitcoin support is awesome. You can use it with a wallet like um, Sparrow, which is which is awesome. Sparrow is an awesome Bitcoin only desktop wallet. Um, not sponsored. Not sponsored. Not yet. Uh, yeah. Not if, you yet. Want, if you want to buy Bitcoin, you should buy it from a place like River 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 dot com or um, Swan Bitcoin, which are Bitcoin only services. Mm-hmm. As a result, they support a lot better stuff than you know multi coin services. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, but it's cute. I like it. it. Looks like a calculator. It looks like a calculator. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, so, but we're gonna do a ultimate personal Bitcoin setup. We're gonna yeah. get Aaron set up with. A cold card, probably using Sparrow, maybe even some like multi-sig, have like a single sig like wallet for small amounts and like a multi-sig wallet for large amounts, along with maybe some kind of like some kind of like lightning capable wallet. I don't know how we'll do that, but we'll figure that out. Get me get me really ingrained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With like crazy, yeah, crazy, crazy, like fully self-contained best practices, mm-hmm. et cetera. Sovereign individual vibes. Yeah, yeah, because you are very much like a sovereign individual. Mm-hmm. You want to be out there on your like doomsday prep farm with your chickens and your Bitcoin core full node. Yeah. Like doing your own transactions. 100%. Yeah, 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 100%. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to keep it afloat during yeah. the, uh, you know, the, the tough times to come. Exactly. That's yeah, when everybody else is not bullish enough. <laughs> <laughs> I will be bullish enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so if you have ideas for that, if you're like, oh, you should do this or I want to see this mm-hmm. or I want to see, you know, oh, I really want to see multi-sig you know let us know we'll let do us it. know we, yeah. we'll do it we'll make this we'll make this setup as crazy as as as, as you want yeah why not you know for the fans yeah for the fans <laughs> yeah um, okay, we have like really just a grab bag of topics mm-hmm. scheduled today. I mean, yep. really not scheduled. We have like one note for each thing. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, do we want to talk about current events? Yeah, let's start with the Tornado Cash crackdown. Yeah. So what... give me the. I literally know nothing. Okay, yeah. I so... just feel like every time I go on Twitter, there's like a new like the meme of like death at like the door of all the different uh-huh. things. Yeah. Like it's just every time I go on Twitter, it's just a new one right. of those. And mm-hmm. it's like tornado cash or Luna or like oh, sure. whatever yeah. the three arrows cap. But like I just, yeah. I, at some yeah. point I'm just like, I don't know. Right. Yeah. It's hard to know what is interesting and what is just like, Oh, like another shit coin with a yeah. terrible de- design just imploded. Like who knew? Exactly. You know? It's like the same reason why I don't keep up with like COVID news or like whatever. It's like, I'm like, mm. it's just always going to be the same rolling. Right. So I never know what's significant or what's not. But right. Tornado Cash, you think, is significant? Very much so. So let's just talk about what Tornado Cash is. So Tornado Cash is a um, contract on Ethereum. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it's it's self-contained on, on Ethereum. It, it's, it's not like trusted. There aren't people who can control the contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a privacy tool on Ethereum. Uh, it essentially uses the same technology as Zcash. Um, Zcash is a sort of privacy altcoin. You deposit ETH into Tornado Cash and you get these like anonymous notes out. Um, and then later you can like use the anonymous note to withdraw the same amount of money from Tornado Cash, mm-hmm. but nobody can link the anonymous note to your original deposit. So it's like this there's a big pile of ETH. And like money goes into the pile and like money comes out of the pile, but you can't link the money coming in and going out. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, so what's really the reason, yeah. What's the reason why people use it? What's like, it's for that. Right. Yeah. For privacy. So for like, privacy. yeah, like let's say on Ethereum, if I, you know, a lot, Ethereum, uh, it has a different model 
than Bitcoin. It uses accounts, which are really just addresses that get reused over and over again. Mm -hmm. So people have a lot of usually have a lot of publicly associated information associated with their account, often mm -hmm. even their real world identity. It's very you know normal on Ethereum to just have one account. Everybody knows what it. Who, who, who has each account? Like you can look and see where, where Vitalik's account is mm -hmm. on Ethereum. A lot of the time you can't really do the same thing on Bitcoin. It's a little different. Does that then translate out to like anything that's built on Ethereum? Like it's still linked to that sort of like account or identity? Oh yeah. Like for example, if you use like to take an example, like if, if somebody builds an NFT on Ethereum mm -hmm. and then you buy an NFT on Ethereum, people know that you own that NFT. But what about like anything that's like any shitcoin that's built on top of Ethereum? Sure. Yeah. Same. It's the same. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it, it kind of depends on the details. If it's an L2 shitcoin, then it might not be associated with your L1 Ethereum account. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. if it's an L1 Ethereum shitcoin, then yeah, you can see like Aaron... Aaron, Aaron's account, I can see that you own 4.269 of this like Tornado Cash. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. One, one thing that I do want to say is Tornado Cash is a cool, it's a good thing. Um, if we're in favor of users having privacy, we should have, we should be in favor of users getting that privacy on any platform that they can, you know? Mm. Um, Harm reduction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Ethereum's, you know, shitcoin, but I want Ethereum users to have access to privacy tools. Sure. Yep. So what happened then? Yeah. So what happened? So um, I'm going to get some of the details a little fuzzy, but basically the contract was sanctioned. It was the, the, the sanctioning process that like sanctions like countries and individuals, the, the U.S. government sanctioned the Tornado Cash contract mm -hmm. and basically said, OK, the contract is being used by like ne'er-do-wells, like, you know, people from uh, Best Korea were using mm -hmm. it. Um, and, and so now this thing is, is sanctioned. And nobody can interact with it, like, legally. Um, and uh, many exchanges have started um, grilling their customers. Uh, one of my friends, he had, like, really bad timing. He had never interacted with Tornado, Tornado Cash before. And, like, the day that it was sanctioned, he, like, sent some funds into it and, like, got some funds out. And then immediately, his I think some exchange that he's on started, like, like locked his account. And I was like, you must explain this activity, like, what are you doing? He's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like I sent like 10 bucks into this and like bought some like shitty NFT. Like, oh what are you? God. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. And then also, um, so this, this gets into one of the differences between Bitcoin and Ethereum. So it's really hard to run your own full node on Ethereum mm -hmm. because it's really costly resource wise. You have to have a beefy computer that has a lot of Ram and a lot of storage. Mm -hmm. So nobody runs their own full node. Everybody uses MetaMask, which is a browser plugin. Right. And browser and that doesn't even talk to a real full node. It just talks to Infura. And Infura is a centralized API provider that you can like ask it questions about what's going on on Ethereum. Mm -hmm. So Infura um, censored Tornado Cash, which means that everybody who uses MetaMask, which is a huge percentage of the Ethereum ecosystem, uh, can now no longer interact. Centralization. Centralization, exactly. Whereas with Bitcoin, like uh, there aren't the same, there aren't the same kind of crazy centralized linchpins. Um, if you're, you know, it would be really hard to censor similar apps on Bitcoin because we tend to Bitcoiners we tend to think about the worst case scenario, not the best case scenario. Yeah. Um, I love that about Bitcoiners. Yeah. Me too. Yep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> also, like it, it also. 
other things like Tornado Cash could be used with stable coins like USDC and US like Tether and Circle. These mm-hmm. like these like uh, crypto dollars on Ethereum, um, and those crypto dollars are totally centralized. They're banks, and somebody can turn off can 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 freeze funds at will. Right. Um, and DeFi stable coins are the linchpin of DeFi, and so the the DeFi world dealing with the fact that these incredibly important currencies that they use for DeFi can just be frozen is a huge like reckoning mm-hmm. that they're starting to figure out. Um, somebody was also trolling with this, like since accounts are known, somebody was taking funds from Tornado Cash and sending it to like tiny amounts to like random celebrities, like nice. Jim, Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon, like somebody sent Jimmy Fallon like you know, like a, a tenth of an ether from Tornado Cash. And like, <laughs> hopefully he'll be getting some questions from his, like the exchange that he's using. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's just a big brouhaha. But, you know, and it's easy to make fun of uh, the Ethereum ecosystem for just kind of being so bad. Yeah. But at the same time, this is a crazy precedent setting thing. Like yeah, the, just... the lead developer, his GitHub account was uh, turned off. Like he was banned from GitHub. Why did GitHub do that? Unclear, unclear. Um, I don't know if it was a out of an overabundance of caution or it was right. a business decision or right. they were forced to. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, but that's huge. I don't. I yeah, can't that's think. Crazy. Of, I can't think of a time where an open source developer has had their account like deleted. Yeah, yeah. And we're not talking about the project account. We're not talking about like the Tornado Cash like project on GitHub. We're talking about developers who have contributed to that project have their personal accounts. Disabled. Well, yeah, that's just so crazy. I mean, yeah. what is like the reasoning for that on GitHub's part? And it seems so counter to what GitHub is like trying to do. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, you know, ultimately it was probably, I'm guessing that GitHub was scared and lawyers were yeah. like, you need to shut this down yeah, because yeah. this is like big illegal yeah. now. Right. I mean, the big tech companies are just weak. 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 Weak hands. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like from what you're saying, it's a sort of sophisticated crackdown and like it sounds like the crackdown has like a knowledge kind of of because I I guess I'm asking this just because I'm always surprised that like Bitcoin isn't cracked down on more and I'm just wondering maybe I don't know is this just easier and it's harder to do with Bitcoin or is like there a level of sophisticated like I'm always like pondering like how sophisticated is the government in actually understanding what's happening? Yeah. You know? The, this is an excellent question. So why why Tornado Cash? Well, the reason why Tornado Cash was the target of this was, I think, twofold. One is because it did a lot of volume. It mm-hmm. was very heavily used. In fact, maybe it's the most heavily used privacy technology, privacy tool in the world, hmm. I, I think it did. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to misquote, but I heard figures, and I remember they were just enormous, like billions and billions of dollars going through Tornado Cash. Right. So I think that was one reason. Another reason was because it was used by the North Koreans. Um, hereafter, the best Koreans, they were u- using it to fund their crazy. So there was some state. level of like diplomacy sanctioning as well, like like the sort of geopolitical reason. Perhaps. Yeah, I mean I mean the agencies that do sanctions they are tasked to go after the most impactful right, things. Right. Uh, not that they do a good job of that and and they um saw this and was like, "Oh yeah, North Korea is moving, you know, millions of dollars through this technology. This right. sh- this should be a target." 
Um, I think another thing is that it is, they did choose it because it was weak, that, that, that it was, it, it was easily attackable and easily right. censorable. I think the government does tend to avoid hard targets yeah, because it's totally. going to make them one, either they're going to lose or they're going to be just totally ineffective and mm-hmm. either one makes them look really dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if they were like, hey, you can't use, you know, self-custody. You can't use join market. Join market is a Bitcoin technology, which is a very, it's a decentralized, um, decentralized Bitcoin privacy tool. Mm-hmm. Not going in how, into how it works, but it would be much harder to shut down. If, if they were like, you can't use join market and then everybody could kind of still use join market, I think they would look dumb. But with Tornado Cash, they knew that there were these um, choke points like um, Infura and, well, Infura and, and, and exchanges um, that they could definitely get to blockade Tornado Cash made it an appealing target. Right. Same reason why the IRS audits like lower income people rather than higher income people who can afford sure. to fight it. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> for right. For example, just, yeah, yeah, going for the small fish. Yeah, small fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that actually, this kind of goes right into this thing that we were going to have, have later on, which is, so in, I've, like, the government, like you were saying, tell me what you're saying. The government. The government, yeah, the government. <laughs> you were sort of saying, like, well, what are they thinking, or like, yeah, are, just, they, are they competent? Yeah, just trying to figure out, I mean, this is like Bitcoin, and then I think this also bleeds out into almost every other topic that the government at a federal level is involved in. But Uh I always sort of am pondering like how much is premeditated, planned, intelligent, sophisticated versus like how much is just them like banging their head against the wall and like occasionally they get like an easy win or an easy thing. Like, um, and yeah, just, you know, how that relates to Bitcoin, just it's surprising in a way that they haven't cracked down on it more. And I'm not sure if that's because they don't know or because they're, they can't or what exactly it is very much so and i've had exactly the same thought for for eight years at this point um well i'm new to the party <laughs> no no no. i don't mean to say this but but i, I don't mean You've to like pondering. just really like auto fellatio yeah, like, <laughs> but i mean no, like, it's it, so you don't have an answer no but I, but what one country get, trying to get at is that i think it's something that everybody who's into bitcoin gets to eventually yeah they're like well the government should be cracking down on Bitcoin. Yeah. You're like, okay, well, the, the Bitcoin threatens the government's ability to collect taxes, issue debt, and print money. And and also, like, conduct financial surveillance and financial censorship. And be, like, world supremacist. World supremacist, fund wars, like, all this yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it seems like, you know, a, a priori, one should think that the government... Uh, would crack down really hard on Bitcoin, mm-hmm. but they basically haven't done anything. Uh, what have they done? Well, they've sort of applied existing financial regulation to Bitcoin to make things kind of unpleasant. Yeah, I mean, there's things like New York mining, like using electricity, that kind of yeah, thing, like they're here and there. Isolated things like that. Right. The IRS gave Bitcoin an unfavorable tax treatment. It's right. treated as, as, as property and not as a currency, which means that the tax situation is unfavorable. Right. But that's just like stocks. That's not like a real right. Bitcoin specific thing where they went out of their way. And I think that, you know, according to their interpretation of the different categories of, of, of things that they tax, not that I think the taxes are good, but they made a reasonable interpretation. You know, right. It's, it's not, it doesn't seem like it's 
really trying to hammer Bitcoin. It seems like it's sort of just trying to find a way to right. like fit it into right. other financial right. trading sort right. of ecosystems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then the question kind of naturally arises, like, wow, why isn't the government kind of doing anything? Yeah. And I think it's a really, I think there's a really complicated answer. Like, I think it's like, you know, the government as a whole is not really incentivized to be super competent at anything. It's, it's, it's not like, we kind of think of the, the state as this unitary actor that has like goals and pursues them, pursues them like a sort of the grand strategy vision of the state, like moving chess pieces around. Right. But I don't think it's like that. I think it's very fractured. There's a lot of internal power dynamics. There's all these different agencies that don't coordinate with each other very well. There's different constituents and pol pol uh, politicians that have different like goals. Mm -hmm. And so um, this organism that is the state is actually not a single organism that's able to mount an effective response to external threats. Yeah. It's like this weird, like amorphous, like thing that's being pulled in all these different directions and doesn't really have like a central sense making organ. Mm -hmm. And so it, it can't really, you know, act on these things very well. It's also, there, there are people who are super smart and super competent in the state, but they're not necessarily the decision makers and they're not necessarily all acting in unison. Yeah. So you will see, for example, like, oh, somebody at the IRS does something really sophisticated to like take down some company or, you know, some like, you know, individual attack that's very like sophisticated. Um, but that's kind of not how the government as a whole does things. I also wonder to what extent, like, it's not, I mean... I think of the government as like at this point being very like cut to the corporations. Like sure. maybe there is still some sort of agency on like the side of like the like CIA intelligence agency sort of side of things where mm -hmm. like there maybe is still like a little bit of like just pure America government right. kind of stuff. But for the most part, I think the majority of the government answers to like the highest donor. And right. I wonder to what extent like, you know, those big money interests are not necessarily into Bitcoin being regulated. Right. It's not something that they feel like they, you know, yeah, like well, BlackRock is into Bitcoin, you the, know. There's the there's a concept of, of capture or regulatory capture. Yeah. Which is where, you know, an, an industry which is sort of supposed to be regulated by some regulator, uh, that regulator sort of starts doing what's good for that industry mm -hmm. because actually that industry has the biggest voice. They really care about that, what that right. regulator is doing. They're giving the most money. And I think, I, I think it's a beautiful thing. I think that the government <laughs> is like the government on many different levels has and will become more and more captured by Bitcoin because there's an incredible incentive people are making a lot of money. They're going to do a lot of political donations. They're going to buy lawyers and then individual politicians, individual regulators, I mean, hopefully they're stacking sats and that's going to yeah, color think, how they make policy. I, I think that's also probably part of it too, is I, I think there's probably more like Bitcoin adoption amongst politicians than we realize, or sure. I don't know, maybe we do realize like, but I, I think that's probably an element too, is like what you were saying, I guess it was last episode with Sid, where you were saying like, maybe there will be less, um, less like fighting from Bitcoin opponents just because they will adopt it themselves. Right. Yep. So I think yep. that that could like that could be an example of that sure. where, you know, politicians 
oftentimes do get at least some insider information. And so they can be aware of like, oh, maybe this is a good thing to put a little bit of money into. Right. And, sure. and then they're, they're less inclined to yep. regulate it and mm-hmm. draw attention to it and everything. So I think yep. it's, it's probably a combination of like individual sort of adoption of Bitcoin and yep. not wanting to regulate yep. it. And then I think also like, you know, at this point, like the multinational corporations don't really want to answer to the U.S. government. And if they mm-hmm. are into Bitcoin and like sure. they can just do, you know, all of their money through Bitcoin and they don't have to pay taxes and they don't have, then they're not going to lobby for, yep. you yep. know. And, yep. and so yep. I, I think maybe it's this like Trojan horse perfect storm that's coming yeah. together that is just like, but I, I have to imagine that at some point the other shoe is going to drop, right? Yeah, it's hard to but say. But how weak will the U.S. be before at that, that point? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, like, and also the other thing is that I think the reason, you know, I, I was thinking for so long, like, why isn't the government cracking down on Bitcoin? Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking about it. It's like, well, why do, why, why do I dislike the government? <laughs> um, well, the reason that I dislike the government is is kind of because they're just idiots. Yeah. And idiots take a while to get Bitcoin. It'd be it's really easy, you know, you see people who in 2013 or 2014 they got introduced to Bitcoin and they're like, oh, it's just like wow gold or like it's some scam or whatever. The people in the government are doing that too. They're going like, oh, it's this like flash in the pan. They're fully bought into the economic orthodoxy that we need this, that like the US dollar and like inflating currencies is like a great thing. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, like, you know, nobody wants Bitcoin. So they're just, they're, they're making the same mistakes that a lot of individuals do. It's like they, they're not taking it seriously. Yeah. We're thinking about the government is like, oh, can't you perceive this like, this like threat, you know? Mm -hmm. But like they're just kind of morons um, for incentive reasons. And no, they're not. They they don't get it. They're not bullish. They're not nearly. They're bullish not enough. nearly bullish enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fascinating. But then that's why it is also sort of interesting when you get these random little like shit shitcoin crackdowns because it's like okay, they're not entirely ignoring this right, ecosystem. Right. Well, yeah. Then you got like you got individual agencies that maybe they do have a few smart people. They have a mandate. They're they're easy targets. Easy targets. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fascinating stuff. I guess we'll just have to wait and see how history unfolds. <laughs> yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be interesting to see how uh, you know Ethereans respond to all of this. Mm-hmm. Do do they realize like okay, we really need to have a way for people to interact with smart contracts that's not through an intermediary. Yeah. They they don't have what's called an SPV mode for Ethereum. Um, Bitcoin has an SPV mode where you can um, interact. You, you can verify that you've received transactions with a relatively high degree of confidence without running your own full node. You only verify the block headers, which mm-hmm. are very small. Um, each block is between, you know, like one point something megs, but each block header is 80 bytes. And it's a, an SPV client verifies that it looks like a transaction has been included by just downloading block headers. And so that's very cheap. Ethereum doesn't have this mode. They've been talking about it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Do they finally get around to implementing SPV clients? Uh, do they finally get real about privacy? What does what does DeFi do about the huge liability, which is all of the censorable stablecoins on DeFi? Right. Yeah, what is going to happen to Ethereum, dude? Like, well, that brings us to our next topic, which is that the Ethereum merge is scheduled. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted, it would be nice to do a live episode, but you'll be in Nashville, right? I'll, I'll be in Nashville. Maybe yeah. I'll come to Nashville. You should come to Nashville. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> a live yeah. episode. That'd be a great place to do interviews. It's all Bitcoin meetup. Yeah. Organizers. We can just hang out with CK and, yeah. and yeah. just 
CK, fun. yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to go to get to, go to a honky tonk bar. Or yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. We'll be both of us in like cowboy hats doing the tourist thing. We're like, we're in Nashville. Yeah, I mean, we can do that in Austin too. Yeah, we can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, merge, merge scheduled. Yeah, merge. So they. Finally, I need to do an astrological analysis too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they. You should also do a prediction of when it's going to happen using mm. astrology because it's a little fuzzy. They, they announced that it's going to happen at some what they call a TDD terminal TTD, I don't know, terminal total difficulty. Mm -hmm. So it's like a certain, after a certain like number of hashes have accumulated, like then they're going to do the merge finally. Um, and the first thing that struck me when I heard about this is like, if I was a Ethereum miner, um, I would just fuck them super hard. Like the miners, the Ethereum miners. Okay. Let me tell you what you should do if you're an Ethereum miner and you mm -hmm. want to just fuck this whole thing. So uh, hard fork, have a planned hard fork that happens in advance of the merge, okay? The merge is happening. Let's say the merge is happening on a Monday, okay? So Saturday evening, schedule a hard fork that removes the difficulty bomb, which is this kind of poison pill that is, is there that makes blocks come slower if it doesn't get hard forked out. Hard fork out the um, difficulty bomb and then uh, maybe just kind of do enough in that hard fork to make it really hard to um, complete the merge uh, at that point, which you could easily do that. Just make it kind of unpalatable. And essentially- <laughs> Just make it a little unpalatable. <laughs> yeah. And then at that point, um, from their perspective, from the perspective of the people who are, who are trying to do the merge, mm -hmm. their chain will just stop. Because the miners have, have left and are now merging this fork. And that pre-miner pre, uh, activated hard fork mm -hmm. uh, will never get to the merge point that they've said. They'll have to coordinate some crazy, chaotic, emergency, uh, emergency um, coordination hard fork to like lower the difficulty. It'll be, I mean, and, and the miners have nothing to lose at this point. The miners have a ton of... They have warehouses full of graphics cards, mining Ethereum, that are going to become worthless by the transition of proof of stake. Yeah. So the miners, if you're listening, pick a TDD that's like a few days before the uh, hard the the merge. Uh, make a hard fork scheduled for that point that removes the difficulty bomb. Throw in just like piss and shit on the walls a little bit <laughs> to make them not want to like you know uh, try to hard fork that chain. Right. And. Uh, yeah, you'll just like shit in their Cheerios, like real big. I mean, at this, yeah, I mean, like what, what are like the Ethereum miners even like doing at this point? Like what? It, I, I don't, it, the dynamic. The whole situation really is just like very, I don't know. It's kind of mind blowing to me. The dynamic is so bizarre because you've had these miners who are like just being told that oh, you're going to get fucked. Yeah, We're just going like, to cut you, you out. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. And so I want to know, I, I would love to interview some yeah, Ethereum miners. Yeah, we need an miner on the pod. Yeah, well, like, that's a real wartime Bitcoin yeah, that's a real, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck do you think about all yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, it's mind-blowing to me. They might, they're making a lot of money, though, on MEV, which is minor extractable value, which is a way for miners to sort of, like, rejigger transactions and insert new transactions to make mm. money. So they're probably just, like making money hand over fist and they're like yeah we'll deal with this like when, when it, it happens comes. yeah what about okay you gave advice to the ethereum miners what if uh asking for a friend someone has a ethereum bag when should they offload that bag <laughs> really hard to say so the yeah it's 
It's so hard to say. Um, I would say that first off, they should evaluate, you know, what can they really afford to lose? Yeah. You know, and any, if, if it would be a real, if it would be really bad, I think I would be for them to lose, you know, let's say they have a thousand, they have a thousand ETH. Let's say they're a fucking whale. Yeah. They have a thousand ETH and they're like, yeah, I need this money. This is my savings. I would take, you know, half of it and just get it into something. Bitcoin. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. If, maybe the merge will be positive for Ethereum overall. I know that's what, well, I, I'm wondering if it'll be like, and chaos. if it'll be uh, like, temporarily good for yeah, Ethereum. Like, yeah. it worked! There's, hurrah! You there, know, and then... Yeah, the the short term yeah. is that it's either kind of going to work and everything's going to be elated or it's going to be a shit show and everybody's going to be like, holy shit, this was bad. Yeah. That's the short term. So it it's go a risk, yeah. yeah. I think off- and, offloading half the bag and then waiting is probably a yeah. smart idea. And then um, long term for Ethereum, uh, I think it's going to be pretty bad long term, but it's going to be a very slow process as it just kind of... Yeah. centralizes and the centralization gets more apparent. Um, it's going to be crazy. We're going to have huge, huge exchange, huge exchanges are going to dictate the future of Ethereum. Yeah. Basically. And when they, the, the real moment is going to be when we have the next tornado cash, um, kind of, you know, event. And, uh, there are a few big exchanges that have the vast majority of of tokens that are staking Ethereum Mm -hmm. and the government comes knocking to these regulated entities that only exist at the pleasure of the U S government and says, you need to not include tornado cash 2.0 transactions in Ethereum blocks. Mm -hmm. They will have no choice but to comply and it's going to be a a real shit show. And people are going to realize that that, that proof of stake was a huge mistake that it, made ethereum even less centralized even even less decentralized than it was before yeah like th- that there will be a reckoning but it might take a long time and also it might not even affect the price of ethereum it might not be a price hit it might be like yeah everybody's in this DeFi casino nobody actually cares about decentralization yeah i think they care well they they i think it's like it's a the difference between like crypto and Bitcoin where it's like, as you said, Bitcoiners like think of the worst case scenario and sort of prepare for that. And like, I think tornado cash is kind of a good example where it's like, there is some acknowledgement of like, Oh, we want privacy, but it's like, okay, but if you don't have this bottom line of being able to resist the state, then you're not going to get your privacy at some point. You might have it for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. At some point it's going to, you know, the other shoe's going to drop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like the, 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 the worst case, best case scenario, I think is a really interesting thing. I don't know who, I think I heard this on, uh, Matt O'Dell's podcast. It'll dispatch. He was just talking about great, great podcast. Um, dream is to have him on the pod or go on the, go on his podcast. Your dream guest, Matt O'Dell. My dream guest, Alex Jones. That's right. Yeah, Matt O'Dell. The Matt, the Matt O'Dell Alex Jones episode would be fire. Would be fire. Um, but uh, so the best case, worst case scenario is a really good way of thinking about this. So when you're when you plan for the best case scenario, you can often make things like very convenient. So like Cash App is super convenient. You just sign up and then you like you press a button and then people get your money, right? Mm-hmm. And then they press a button and, and you get their money. And in the best case scenario, you withdraw it to your bank and then you withdraw it from the ATM and like, look, you've got cash, like awesome. But in the worst case scenario, you just get fucking censored. They turn off your account. They turn off your friend's account that you, they, they ask you to justify everything you, you use. Like right. you only exist at their pleasure, right? 
Bitcoin, on the other hand, uh, it's for the worst case scenario. Like for the got, doomsday preppers. For the doomsday preppers. Like mm-hmm. the doomsday preppers are going to be up there in their mountaintops with their guns and their chickens, mm-hmm. sending each other lightning network payments and nobody can fucking stop them. Yeah. Um, but the trade-off is that, you know, it's more complicated. It, it, there, there are, you know, speed trade-offs. There are convenience trade-offs. And Ethereum and DeFi... They are all about the best case scenario. Optimization. Opti- yeah. Optimistic yeah. optimization. Totally. Like when on a sunny day, DeFi is looking good. You're just fucking... <laughs> DeFi saving Africa. <laughs> yeah, saving Africa. You're just shooting those shit coins right through the internet pipes. And then on a bad day, nothing fucking works. Yeah. Zero. You are yeah. fucked. And you're like, fucked. It's like yeah. when the power goes off and you realize that something that you use like actually has a tiny computer in it. And yeah. You're just <laughs> when you're fucked. like, damn, my smart house doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> PG&E yeah. turned the power off. Yeah. 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 Totally. Um, okay, great. Yeah. Do you feel like we've, uh, we've, we've said the last words on that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, this will be an ongoing situation that how many podcasts will monitoring closely. Yes. Current events, news stories. More more news. Let me shuffle my papers like a newscaster. (laughs) More news is events warrant as they say. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Right. So switching gears, definitely switching gears. I have a personal advice question to ask you with your wisdom. I don't know why you're fucking coming to me. I don't know fucking anything. No, you do. You, well, you know, you know a lot about being yourself. That's true. Yeah. I know the most about being myself. Yeah, which that's what this question's about. So yesterday I was out for drinks with a group of people and um, like one guy in the group, he proposed a cheers to the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act. Which is basically (laughs) eight, like $700 billion of political pork. Yeah, it's insane. How are you going to have a, how are you going to spend almost a trillion dollars and call it an Inflation Reduction Act? Like, do they understand how? It's not, I cannot, and it's, the thing is like, call it a climate bill or something, you know, like there's, I don't understand Inflation Reduction Act, like who, what the fuck? But I mean, he was wanting to cheers it because of the climate. He was like, we're getting one step closer to saving things, you guys. Like, cheers. And so, you know, me, of course, I was like, and we got 87,000 more IRS agents yeah. that are going to like disproportionately audit lower income families. Yeah. And he was, you know, having none. Of, like, he was like, well, people should pay their taxes. How else are we going to, you know. No, they shouldn't. This whole, <laughs> we're going to do it other ways. Right. And like, you know, I... I I actually recently have been better about this. I think partially just because I'm surrounding myself with fewer people that don't know anything about things and yet feel like strongly opinionated Um, or like form their identity around politics in kind of like an unsavory way, which is a right and left wing phenomenon. Oh, sure. Yeah. But I, I feel like this conundrum always comes up in like my, you know, existential musings, um, which is like, (laughs) I guess like, I'm always trying to figure out whether it's possible to be right and happy. Yeah. And I feel like you're someone who has just sort of always had your out there opinions and you just are who you are. Yeah. As far as I can tell, maybe that hasn't always been the case. Sure. And I'm curious, like, how do you overcome feeling insane (laughs) or like feeling like the nut? Like, how do you just stick to what you do and be like, you know, the ordinals guy and whatever. Right. Yeah. There's self-help question. Yeah. So I guess, you know, one is I'm not always good at it. Um, I, you know, there's certain things that I really hate. I don't like it when people think that I'm like a bad person. I think nobody likes that. Yeah. Um, so there's certain things that I would feel like bad about, you know, um, 
there's certain things like just like culture war stuff that I don't like just really engage with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. But as far as technical stuff goes, I've always just kind of felt like I was right. Yeah. And so I... You have no choice but to be right. I, I kind of have no <laughs> choice to be right. And I remember like when I was a kid, I got into like a fight with one of my best friends who was like, you always think that you're right. You always think that you're right. And I was like really having trouble understanding the criticism. Yeah. You know? And I was also like, I was like, well, like, but if I didn't think that I was right, then I would think something else and then I would be right again. I know. That's you what know? I... <laughs> you're saying... <laughs> Like, this is literally, like, the way that I... That's my toxic trait. I'm always right. Yeah, right? Like, like yeah. It's not that I always think I'm right. It's that I am always right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's certain kind of technical things where if somebody says something that I think is wrong, I'll just kind of disagree with them. And I kind of... It just doesn't... I don't... I'm not... I don't know. I don't know how I manage not to be self-conscious about it. I guess maybe it's about picking your battles and picking the things that you are really comfortable disagreeing with people and then just being really frank about those things. Do you you ever feel crazy though? Like, do you ever feel like, wow, I'm like fucking not like normal and like either that makes you feel weird about yourself or about the world. Like, cause for me, it's like, I get really like the world is fucked. Like if nobody sees things my way, then like it's, it's a mess out there. Um, Like, do you care about the world? I never feel crazy. You I are, think you I, are a little crazy. Oh, I'm I'm nuts. I'm <laughs> fucking nuts. I know this. I I know this. I know that like as far as other people are concerned, I am a weird weird guy. <laughs> like I remember like a coworker at Google, like he was talking about, I don't know what we were talking about, but he was like, "Yeah, like when you started, you I was just like, man, this guy is weird. Yeah. Like he's a weird guy. Like I'm aware, but I don't feel crazy because I think that like I think I'm right. I think I'm correct about these things. Um, my mental model kind of doesn't include the world being crazy. Um, like my mental model includes the world being wrong about a lot of stuff that sure. like people are just not really incentivized to be correct. And that doesn't disturb you. Oh, it bothers me a great deal. It's often very frustrating. I'll see people like just do insane counterproductive things. Like on Twitter, I saw this, like, some local politician using the phrase all all housing matters he was a he was a leftist he was a progressive politician trying to say that like you kind of have to go through the state to build housing mm-hmm. like he wants people to go through the state and do this affordable housing program and, and 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 that and that if you just try to build more housing that's the equivalent of like uh, all lives matter right and and i was like bro, like we just need more houses. There's one market for houses. There's one market for housing. If you build more houses, like the prices will go down, like, and all housing does matter. Like just build more housing in the Mm -hmm. most effective, cheapest way. So the answer is yes. Like it drives me batty when people do stupid things, but I kind of I don't know. Sometimes I expect it, but they're ba- the, the the depraved depths that the de- depraved depths of moronicity that people descend to does shock me sometimes. Do you feel like it's gotten worse over time, or is it the same? Because I have been thinking a lot about two thousand eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like I, you do. Like I, I do. went to. I went to a. So 2008 and Obama, mm-hmm. I went to a hookah bar last night with some friends <laughs> nice. and the, the hookah flavor mix that we got was called the Obama. 
Wow. Yeah, it was guava and mint. Nice. I have no fucking clue that what. That sounds nice, yeah, actually. Yeah. Refreshing, but also fruity. Yeah, yeah. Just like Obama. Just like Obama. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was, I think I was like 14 in 2008. Mm-hmm. I remember like when Obama was elected. I basically feel like I was only conscious since like, like, you know, politically existentially conscious yeah. since like the Obama era. Uh-huh. And He sparked something inside you. He did. Well, yeah, he's, I have very complicated feelings towards Obama. It's, mm-hmm. it's just, you know. <laughs> strong, complicated yeah, feelings. Strong, complicated feelings towards Obama. But like, you know, I, I like, I wish I had lived through like 9-11. I wish I had like lived. I mean, sure. I did technically. Yeah. I was like four I can, I can tell you like, about 9-11. <laughs> yeah. Right after 9-11 happened, I was taking a bus and then I, 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 I saw a friend like walking by and I yelled, I yelled like, look out. <laughs> Nobody knew how to deal with it. Like I, I was in Seattle and I remember like shit was closed. And then one of the signs on the, one of the stores that was closed is like a restaurant or something. It says we are closed because of the East Coast disaster. <laughs> like people didn't know what to call it yet. You know, we yeah, sort of yeah, yeah. circled around and then eventually started calling it 9-11. Yeah, yeah, right, right. But of course, on the day of September 11th, you're not going to call it 9-11. No. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess like I'm bringing that up because like... I can't tell if people have always been, if this is just the way, like if this is some universal uh, human archetype of like the person who like gets outside of the system and like sees it for what it is and like the people that call them a witch or like think that they're crazy or whatever and then eventually it gets similar. Like, is this just like an eternal archetype or is it worse now because of the polarization of media and just kind of the general political state of things? Was it better before... 9-11, 9-11, I guess 9-11 is sort of being like a turning point, yeah, I think, culturally. Yeah. Like, I'm just trying to figure out, like, is this just an eternal thing I have to get used to? Or is this something that's particularly bad about right now? It's so hard to say. I have so many, like, different feelings about this. In a lot of ways, I'm an optimist. There's a lot of things too. that I see getting better and better. Yeah. Like Windows 11. <laughs> You're a Mac user, aren't you? No, but I have a Windows PC for gaming. Oh. And I installed Windows 11 recently. And it's really good. Windows 11 makes you optimistic about the future. It literally (laughs) does because I remember, I remember like Windows 95 and Mm -hmm. like Windows 98 where it was dog shit. It was dog shit. But technology is getting better, but like our humans. Yeah. But humans made Windows 11. That's true. Yeah. But, but, but. Bill Gates. Thank you. Yeah. I also see like the, you know, I, I write a lot of open source stuff and like I write, I use this language Rust and like the Rust language is so strong and like the way that we work together online just all these different projects is so cool um and then i see things like bitcoin that like wow bitcoin is getting better and bitcoin like really has the seeds of like serious like liberation liberation energy there i think part of your optimism probably comes from like the fact that you do pursue the things that like your heart believes in like i feel like you really do spend your life like committed to the things that you care about which is like Obviously not the case when I'm like out for drinks with someone who makes me cheers for the Inflation Reduction Act. Right, like, right, yeah. Not a heart-centered experience sure. right there. So yeah. I think maybe it's it's also like you have created your life in a way that does allow you to like completely immerse yourself in that optimism. Well, I think it, it also is like I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, you know, in the course of my life, I'm going to move the needle one billionth of one billionth of one degree, mm-hmm. you know. But being focused on that does help. Being yeah. like, I'm going to try to, you know, like do things, you know, like this podcast and the SF Bit Devs meetup mm-hmm. and ordinals and, and stuff like that. Like I want to like, 
even if you can't do very much, as long as you can do a little bit, it will kind of make you feel better. Right. Um, but, but it actually has to be, it needs to be, you need to do something where you're, you're doing something that helps not like lobbying, not like being really online, not like getting mad at people. Yeah. Not like having opinions and saying words. Yeah, exactly. Except for this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, no, no. Yeah. 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 Um, and, but then, but then also there are a lot of things that make me pessimistic. Um, one thing that makes me pessimistic is I think about sort of like, let's talk about like the discourse, you know, like the discourse, right? Uh, this, this politician who said, uh, all, all housing matters as like a slur against just building a bunch of market rate housing. Mm-hmm. This like, this is so dumb, but it, it, it took a lot of work to like construct this like stupid, stupid thing. Oh yeah. There's a lot like marketing can do a lot. Yeah. And so I feel like in, in some ways it's like the, the, there's like this propaganda tech, yeah. this like outrage, outrage discord tech. Yeah. That people are like perfecting mm-hmm. and that is kind of getting worse and more harmful, you yeah. know, like kind of, you know, okay, the internet exists and it's great for all these things, but nobody kind of knows how to talk on the internet, how to like rile people up and like what they're going to do, what this like sort of outrage farming is going to look like. Yeah. And that, that outrage farming is kind of getting better. People are developing this like pr- propaganda, like discourse mechanics, like, like, these like, these like idioms that just, you know, enrage Work. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and ways, you know, ways that the right characterizes the left and ways that the left characterizes the right. Yeah. You know, character, character caricatures. Totally. These like very effective little caricatures. Like, you know, calling somebody alt-right, like that could mean anything from posts Trump memes to is a legit white supremacist. Yeah. And there's no differentiation between the two. On the right, the same thing with like the pedophile and like groomer memes. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. What? Like, you you think that because like, I don't know, like, uh, someone like it takes their kid to Pride or whatever takes their kid <laughs> to Pride, they're a groomer. Like, you fucking yeah. kidding me? Like, yeah. you're a moron. Yeah. Bitcoiners do this too. Bitcoiners who like the toxic Bitcoin maxis have mm-hmm. been getting a lot of flack for, for example, like calling everything scams. Yeah. When it's like. Well, I understand what you're saying, but they're like not literally scams, you know, like they might sort of have the structure of a scam, but like, yeah, they're not literally scams, but, but it works. Yeah. It works like a slogan. And and then these groups, you know, like, like leftists, rightists, uh, uh, Bitcoin maxis, Ethereum people, they have their insular little world where they're all like echo chambering each other and they've found the most effective way to to talk to the choir. Yeah, it freaks me out, like just talking to people, realizing how different worlds like so many people are in. Like we're simultaneously more connected than ever and also like so not. And I think like it like feels like my brain is breaking sometimes because of the ways that I like exist in different worlds. Like, yeah, you know, like I work with a lot of climate science people that just have this very particular, yep, sure. and they're not yeah. even like, it's yeah. not conniving. It's not yeah. like, you know, they just have a very particular view of things that is yeah. mostly based on ignorance. And like, then the right wing people are on the yeah. total other side, like t- completely different things. And the, it's just, it's, it's hard for me. It feels like my brain is breaking like yeah, sometimes, yeah, yeah. like just going between the two. There's, I mean, that's, there's also a, there's also a fracturing of the very English language itself. Totally. Where these groups will, will essentially redefine, redefine words. Yeah. And then, 
uh, communication between these groups becomes impossible. Well, that's why I want to have an episode just about capitalism. Right. So that we can really yeah. break down, like, what yeah. are all the ways? Because I think that's a very important word, like, example right. of what you're describing. When, where, like, people have very different definitions yep. of capitalism. And that, like, that, I think, is actually the root of the disagreements. It's right. not actually oftentimes even a political Absolutely. disagreement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that is a technique for... Um, uh, that that is a technique. It's it's a, it's a, it's a political propaganda technique. Mm -hmm. So if if you know like if I want to, I, I think probably capitalism uh, didn't always have this very 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 negative connotation, or maybe it did. Um, I mean, uh, yeah. There's there's a lot of examples where you're like, oh, like this thing that the other side thinks is good, we are going to redefine it such that it's highly negative. Yeah. Right. And so then when when they say I like X. Our supporters who use the new definition of X as being very bad will say, oh, this person is a, just a fascist. Right? 100%. And then um, the other thing that you can do is you can say, well, everybody agrees that Y is, y is bad. Mm -hmm. And so let's extend the definition of what Y applies to. Um, in a way, the, 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 the definition of, of racism is like this, where, you know, I grew up, I grew up in Berkeley in a super liberal super progressive milieu and and racism was always defined as prejudice based on race right um but then it was it has been you know some people have redefined it as no it's it's actually uh like historic systemic systemic kind of, racism yeah. that 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 it's only racism if the person if the person belongs to a group that suffers worse group outcomes right and and so this has meant that it's i think it's sort of strategic in a sense not necessarily consciously, like let's take something that's that everybody agrees is bad, like racism, and let's let's broaden the scope of what we can what we can apply it to. Yeah. Right? To say that other things that we don't like are are racist. Mm -hmm. Right? I think it's more subconscious than purposeful too, like on both sides. And I think mm. that's like a part of it that makes it's like hard for people to process that maybe like yeah. it's like a subconscious desire to like you know, do yeah. to justify morally yeah. whatever yeah. you feel inclined to do. Right. And so you yeah. sort of rewrite the thing for yeah. yourself, yeah. like yeah. to fit whatever you feel like right. your emotions, right. you yeah. know? And, and another thing is that it, it can also be that, that just the successful memes spread. Yeah. You know, if somebody comes up with a rhetorical technique, other people will adopt it because it's, it's useful. Right. Yeah. And, and then it'll spread. They'll win arguments with it. They'll have, they'll be able to counterpunch with it. But how do you stay? Like, I guess, how do you stay such like an individual? Because I feel like you really do have a very unique political opinion. Like you don't really seem to be easily defined in like any one direction. And I'm just wondering, like, is it that you've always been like this and it's just like, you know, whatever is going on just kind of happens around you? Or do you feel like you've had to intentionally like, no, I feel like I've always been like this. I've always just been a weirdo. Individual. Yeah. 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 And always just like, just thinking a lot and just like yeah. thinking and, and, I, uh, I mean, you know, I do, I do sometimes get swayed by external events or external right. ideas, but it usually doesn't last for very long. I'll kind of like think of eventually come to reasons where I'm like, oh yeah, I guess that doesn't really work or isn't a good idea. Yeah. Always just thinking, always just very, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess one, one piece of advice that I would have for people is like, I say this a lot and you also make fun of me for it a lot, <laughs> but like. But like, try not to be ideological, like try yeah. to think about like reality. Don't try to, you know, just because something is just because you don't want something, just because you 
don't want something to be true doesn't mean that it's true. Yeah. And the opposite, just because you want something to be true doesn't mean that it's true. Think about what exists and think about reality and, and, and how reality works and, and not just your, your, your desires about how reality should work. I think probably curiosity too fits in there where it's like, you know, maybe you aren't able to objectively decide truth, right? Like maybe you are tied up in one way or another. And so like whatever may be like more categorically true is just hard for you to perceive from your perspective. And if you have like curiosity about like, well, why would this entire group of people think this rather than being like this group of people thinks this because they blah, blah, blah. And just sort of writing them off, but thinking like, what is it that has resulted in this group of people? Like, you know, fixating on this conspiracy theory or having this opinion of X, Y, or Z, like why, what are the root causes and being more curious about it than anything, Yeah, which, you know, I, I try to do. It's just, you know, it is hard. It is very uncomfortable to have, views or, or, or beliefs or whatever that are at odds with sort of the current, um, social. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess one thing that helps is I, I, I surround myself with a bunch of weird people who yeah. are, will take weird ideas God seriously. God bless the Bitcoiners. God bless the Bitcoiners. I also, I like rationalists. I like yeah. rationalists too. They're really willing to consider very strange ideas. I, I really do like anybody who's kind of fringe more than I like anybody who's like a normie. Same, you know? same, same, same. I'd rather talk to like just like a fucking like absolute like pinko communist who thinks Marx was right about everybody yeah. than like a Joe Biden supporter, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like, I think this was just one interaction that used to define a lot more regular interactions for me and mm-hmm. now doesn't the more that I hang out with Bitcoiners. I mean, like for contrast, I feel like most of my interactions these days mostly with Bitcoiners are like things like Diane reading an essay about fascism aloud to me at two yeah, in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I love Diane. I love Diane. Diane, yeah, is, Diane will be on the pod. Yeah. yeah Diane, soon. local, local Bay area Bitcoiner. Yeah. yeah. Hilarious patron woman. saint of Bitcoin as I like yeah, to call her. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just really, I think it was a jarring experience of just being like, holy shit, this used to be it how sucks I felt that they all made the you time. Cheers to it. Like usually you can just kind of be quiet if but you don't want to complic- rock the boat. You know, it's like people don't expect like, any they they're like oh this is a group of scientists they're gonna yeah. think this way and right. they don't expect people to think any other way no. yeah yeah you know it's it's like as i said it's ignorance and it's like just kind of being like ivory tower shit like very disconnected from the rest of For the sure. world and yeah. whatever and somehow i'm like the most like fucking right-wing person that they know yeah 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 which right, is like right. yeah yeah guys yeah guys come on <laughs> Yeah. They're like, except my grandma, who's actively racist. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's me and her. That's their right wing representatives. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, just just like to get your wisdom oh, every sure. so yeah. often. And well, just you're going to get some more of my wisdom. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you suggested to me a while ago that I read this book called The Shock Doctrine by mm-hmm. Naomi Klein. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Shock Doctrine was very critical, among other things, of uh, Milton Friedman. Yeah, it was a very formative, like, political book for me. And I wanted right. to know, you know, since you love him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I had some, you know, issues with the book that yeah. maybe I was, we know. yeah, you were like, just like have an open mind. And it was like, just like, Ugh, that makes <laughs> me so mad. Ugh, I don't think she got this right. Ugh. Yeah. Um, Casey like woke up early to send me like an email that was just like, he put graphs in it and everything. And I just responded like, good job, Casey. I'm yeah. Just- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the perfect response. That was the perfect response. Just like a little head pat, yeah. you know? <laughs> Yeah. But now, okay, yeah, so yeah. you're returning the favor. Yeah, so I mean, one thing that has been really 
formative for me mm-hmm. is, um, is, is microeconomics. Okay. And, uh, when I was, I, I, I dropped out of high school, uh, I dropped out of high school when I was 15 and then they kind of made me go back the next year for a year. And then I dropped out for good after that. Um, and so when I, when I wanted to sort of continue with my education later, when I was like 18, when I was like, okay, I guess I kind of have to do something. Um, I went to community college, mm-hmm. went to community college first in Seattle. Um, and then I went to community college in the Bay area and I was going to Berkeley. Well, it's called the Vista community college. Now it's called Berkeley community college. Mm-hmm. And I took a micro econ, econ class taught by a guy named Werner, Vernon Lee Prescott, V Lee Prescott, nice. who is like this jovial, uh, ex shell executive shell oil executive okay just like really friendly <laughs> and now a community college professor well so i think it was basically him being retired i think yeah, he retired at like retired at 60 loves teaching very mm-hmm. outgoing loves loves economics yeah um and so i took this amazing class that i still count as you know maybe the best class i've ever taken mm-hmm. um and i remember like he would write these um we'd get like homework you know and you were supposed to like come up with some economic situation to fit something or whatever. I'd write the, the things that I wrote him were insane. I wrote like, I wrote like memes, like economics memes that would be answers to homework questions. That's cute. And like crazy scenarios where like, really you're just supposed to say like, okay, you have a widget factory and it does mm-hmm. this. And I would come up with some crazy, like, you know, production thing and like some crazy thing that they were producing or like the D and D economy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but this class was amazing. It was so formative in how I think. Uh, micro microeconomics is basically how 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 do you kind of model human individual human behavior? Like what do people do? Right. What do people how do they seems like people have goals, seems like people have things that are important to them. Mm-hmm. How do they um, pursue those goals um, in a very basic way? I think one thing that's easy to get hung up on is the idea that econ might got good micro econ is predicated on the idea that people are rational. Right. This is always a recurring topic on it's the pod for us. A beef. It's an Aaron beef. Um, <laughs> so it's like, no, it's like, well, no, it's it's not that people are rational. It's that like people have like goals and desires and impulses mm-hmm. and they, you know, have some decision-making ability. They have some sense-making ability. They have some information taking in ability. Sure. And so given their sort of like, let's call it bounded rationality. Um, and also, you know, maybe they're, but, and also their goals might be crazy, you know? So, so you could talk about somebody being like a flat earther and having the goal of, um, proving that the world is flat, which right. is kind of an insane goal, but you're going to kind of think about, well, how are they going to pursue that goal? You know, right. given what they believe in the, the information they have, you also have to take into account like that. A lot of people's, you know, goals and desires are just like built in. People want food. I guess that's kind of rational. People want social contact. Like yeah. people are sort of built of thoughts and emotions and desires and all this stuff. Right. And microecon is just like, well, how do we kind of model that? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, once you have some ideas about how individuals behave, then you can zoom out a little bit and you can say like, okay, well, how do you have a bunch of individuals behave? How do a bunch of individuals interact? And mm-hmm. well, now they have stuff and they're going to want to give each other stuff and get stuff in return. And some of that stuff might be money. And then we're going to get prices Mm -hmm. and how are prices going to, you know, where, where do prices come from? You know, how are prices set 
in one kind of market environment, prices are going to be set this way. In another kind of market environment, prices would be set, set this way. Sure. Um, all these incredible concepts. I remember after one class where we learned about, like, I don't know what we learned about, maybe like diminishing marginal, diminishing marginal utility. What are you, what are you <laughs> laughing? You're, you're like, your eyes are like, you have like a no, sparking eyes. It's you're like, fine. I don't know what we were learning about diminishing marginal utility. Absolutely. No, these are like formative. It's cute. These, like... are, these are, these are amazing concepts. Like they really are. Like I remember going to the grocery store and thinking about the, what was on the shelves, how much I wanted it, what other people were doing, how other people were, mm. you know, they have some amount of dollars they need to spend. And specifically dim diminishing marginal returns, it's like, well, you know, I like chips, right? But the first potato chip I eat is a lot tastier than the 300th potato chip that I eat. Mm -hmm. So even though I really want that one bag of potato chips, I'm pretty ambivalent about buying a second bag of potato chips. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go buy an orange, right? Um, and these are all, you know, these are all fuzzy things. They break down. They, they, they have limitations. There's, you know, sometimes there's like, you know, market failure or like whatever, um, but they're incredibly useful tools for thinking about the world mm -hmm. and honestly give me a lot of basis for how I think about how, how I try to be non-ideological. Yeah, the sort of methodology. Yeah, like, well, I, how you I go about thinking about things. kind of want people to be happy. I kind of want people to, you know, be able to do what they want. I kind of want people like not to fuck each other over. Um, and the tools of microecon and, and thus the markets and price systems that arise and how do supply and demand curves work honestly inform a lot of a lot of what I think about a right. lot of what I think um, so because the shock doctrine was uh, devoted to uh, Milton Friedman mm -hmm. this is a book by David Friedman who's uh, one of my favorite <laughs> one of my favorite dudes which is called the economics it's called hidden order the economics of everyday everyday life okay um, David Friedman is a crazy anarcho-capitalist who Fun. has some crazy ideas about how things should work but this is not an ANCAP book. This is a book this is about... This an economics, microeconomics book. Book about microeconomics, bunch of everyday situations, bunch of topics. How, how do you think about them and how do things happen? What direction do a supply and demand curve slope? Should I read this and then we talk about it on the pod? What do you think I should do? I don't know. Um, I also haven't read it in a long time, so I could read it could at the same up. time. Yeah, I yeah. could brush up. Yeah, we could, we could kind of read it together. That sounds fun. We could also do one. We could do one chapter per podcast episode. Okay. Yeah, just um, throw them in every so often. Throw them in. Yeah. yeah. Or like if there's a particularly good, you know, chapter or whatever. Yeah. And obviously because Bitcoin is an economic technology, mm -hmm. there's so much in here which is relevant to Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here for it. Awesome. Okay. Well... There you go. Love that. Yeah. Is there anything else we need to talk about? No, no. Micro econ pill. Yeah, you're you're giving you've given me the micro econ pill. Shout, shout out to V. Lee Prescott, <laughs> yeah. the cheerful businessman. It's always uh, good to have teachers that changed your life. They really yeah. are. Yeah. I wish I could tell him. I wish I could tell him how much uh, that class meant to me um, and how like it just was, was such a great experience. Yeah, it started you down your anarcho. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Deranged yeah. rabbit hole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Made yeah. you who you are. For sure, you know? yeah. That's beautiful. Okay, well, next episode, not sure what we're doing. We're sort of up in the air. Yeah. But we will be at Bitblock Boom very soon. Yep, yep. Um, so, yeah, again, hit us up if you're going to be there. Yep. Or just, as I said, we'll probably just be loitering at the hotel yeah, yeah, bar. Yeah, 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 come, yeah. come up and talk to us if like, you want to. subscribe. Yeah, all those things. Fountain. Yeah, Boost fountain app. Fountain, you I'm know? still yep. trying to understand the microeconomics yeah, yeah, about yeah, that yeah. but i'm one, learning one thing we could do is like if you have a complicated question that's like really like in depth 
like send us a boost. Yeah. Send us the boost. Ask the question. I'll write you like a big response. Or we'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll talk or about whatever it. Whatever yeah. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, maybe we should, some podcasts do a thing where they read boosts on air. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah. So, but it has to be, well, it has just to, interact with us. We just want to know who you so, are. We're so lonely. We're like, we're so come on, lonely. who's listening? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> who are these people? Yeah. yeah we want to know. Um, yeah. So come up to Sip It Block Boom, you know, Record with us if you'll be there and you have For a, sure. you know, pitch the idea. We're, we're open to it. Mm-hmm. Um, boost, comment, whatever. Yeah, And sure. we'll see you next time. Yeah, see you next time. Bye. Bye, everybody.